0: friends welcome to episode 155 of the fierce calling podcast i'm dara swift your host and i'm so glad that you're joining me today and this show is going to really bless you especially if you have walked through a difficult season or are walking through a difficult season and i think that's probably all of us so on this episode I welcome my guest, Dr. Mel Tavares, and she shares her inspiring journey of overcoming a challenging upbringing, navigating through a really difficult long-term marriage, and she shares how she has a heart, especially for women who face difficult situations. And having been a single mom herself, she can understand, and she has a deep passion for bringing hope to those battling chronic illnesses and difficult diagnoses as well. And she's going to bring her expertise as a counselor and a coach and how she ministers to others. And I think this is really going to be a powerful and impactful episode for us today. And I loved our conversation so much, and I know it's going to bless you. So, stay tuned because I know what Dr. Mel has to share will inspire, encourage, and challenge you. So listen in while will have a chat with Dr. Mel Tavares. Welcome back. Today I'm excited to welcome my friend, Dr. Mel Tavares. She is an accomplished award-winning author, she's a speaker and a teacher and coach, and she's a counselor both in ministry and in her career, which I love. She has invested decades in equipping women from all walks of life to thrive in the midst of their circumstances. And that is just so what Fierce Calling is all about. And you can read more about Dr. Mel. I'll have all of her information in the show notes. But for now, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you for being here, Dr. Mel.
1: Thank you for having me, Doris. I'm excited to uh, see what God is going to um, direct today.
0: Yes. Yeah, I'm excited about that too and see what he wants us to share. And so I I, I do love that, that you've spent decades equipping women to thrive in the midst of their circumstances. It's just such a powerful thing to help someone who is going through a difficult season to see that there's still a purpose, there's still a way that God can use all of it for good and for his glory and for, you know, also whatever their calling might be. So I would love if you would share a little bit about your story and how you are taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect.
1: Okay. Well, I, um, you know, I have, a, I grew up in a pretty strange, um, what I consider a strange situation and a dysfunctional home, we would say in Today's counseling world, um, and so I didn't really have a whole lot of guidance. Therefore, I made some choices that weren't good. That included, you know, not a wise choice for a mate. Um, so I I went through a marriage and a, a twenty five year marriage, and then a divorce um, that just seemed eminent, but I kept pushing aside. And so. Um, I have a real heart for women that have, you know, found themselves in difficult situations. Then because I was a single mom, I, you know, I can understand that situation as well. I have had some health issues over the years and I've had to combat those. So I have a real heart for bringing hope to people that are battling some chronic diseases or maybe a diagnosis that, is not um what we want to hear and how to you know battle that i think spiritually battle it spiritual warfare but then implement health you know options that are going to lead to a healthier lifestyle and 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 battle back those disease diagnoses so there's been a lot of different things i have a, a prodigal child now mm-hmm. I have had others who have now come back to the Lord, come back to our family. So I understand women in that situation. There's a lot of different roads I've been on that helps me when I'm ministering to people, whether that is, you know, the secular counseling that's going on or pastoral counseling now or coaching, it kind of all intersects. And that became my passion And I know that's my calling and, you know, whether I'm writing it or speaking it or teaching it or whatever I'm doing, it's, there's always good that comes out of those situations and God, his plans will not be thwarted. And he does have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And even if there's some forks in the road and he kind of brings us around the bend and back full circle, he doesn't waste it. And I love that. And I just love being able to encourage women to, with that truth.
0: I love that so much. And especially how you went through all the things that you've experienced and how now it's something that you can use to help others in these different roads that you've been on. And I know those forks in the road, they can, those forks are pointy. (laughs) They can really be painful. Uh, But you know, how you shared all of that. And it would just really encourage a listener right now to hear that, because as I usually will say too, it's like no matter where they've been or what they've done or what's been done to them, what they've experienced, that everybody has a purpose and God has plans for them and they can be used by God. So that's why I love your ministry so much and how God has used that and has called you to counsel because you have a heart for helping people who are walking maybe a broken road or maybe have people in their family that are walking broken roads. And that can be really devastating too, right? You run into that so much, as you said, with a prodigal. So how do you usually encourage those people?
1: Well, it depends on each situation. And, you know, the Bible is filled with passages that, speak to every situation we find ourselves in. I I have yet to find a situation that I've walked through or that you would walk through or anyone would walk through and not find multiple passages to encourage and uplift. And so, you know, I tell people, you know, I have a care and counseling Bible. I don't, I know a lot of people use that. Um, So I have a a care and counseling Bible that helps me topically, but the the concordance and different things too. I encourage people get those tools, learn the scriptures that are applicable to your situation. And then, you know, we talk through those, but generically speaking, there's, you know, so many passages on hope. Mm -hmm. There's so many passages passages on, um, the fact that the Lord is always with us. He never leaves us. He's always faithful. And that truth alone brings hope, I think, Mm. to any situation that he's not going to leave us dangling by ourselves, even in the worst of situations. And there may be lots of other people around us when we're going through something, but we still feel alone. And the truth is we're not alone. So that's, I think, a foundation.
0: Yes, that is amazing. And how you were talking about that, all the things we experience and all the, all the things that we would need to work through or discover or work through our circumstances is found in the word of God. His solutions are there. and. So I love that you shared that so much. And and then also thinking about, okay, so people are going through a difficult situation, but maybe it's intimidating for them to read the Bible. So, you know, they might go to someone for help, but it is a way to encourage people to go directly to the Word themselves and see it. And then sometimes they need someone to help them like you do in your ministry to point them to the right places to go. So, I think that's so important. You have written several different books and you have a new book that you've written. The title is 21 Days to Improved Mental Well-being. So, tell us a little bit about what prompted you to write that and how it can help someone who's listening.
1: Well, the prompting was truly we are in such a situation not just here in the US, but around the world, that post-pandemic, the mental health has become a, an epidemic. And I think I would say that not I'm not talking about like a, a serious mental health diagnosis, although this book would apply also, but I have like a disclaimer in there that says, you know, do not give up your own therapist and things like that. But all, uh, it seems to be a prevalence that there is an overwhelming anxiety, depression, a hopelessness, fear, the more um, things shift and change in the world, you know, I think we all hung on, like, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And then it turned into three years. And now, everybody thought it would go back to normal, whatever that was, and it's not returning to that. Mm -hmm. So there's a hopelessness. So that's I I just wanted to encourage people and say, listen, it it you can't control the world, but you can control how you respond to these situations. And the twenty one days came out of, you know, it takes twenty one days to create a habit. Mm -hmm. So I thought if I could just, and it doesn't seem so overwhelming. You know, sometimes when you're overwhelmed, a whole month of studying something just seems like too much. So, um. I thought 21 days is doable for anyone. So in this book are very simple things that you might look at and say, well, why are you even writing about this? And the answer would be because we all need reminders. And in it, there are scriptures that go with it. So for example, something so simple like get outside, just go outside, listen to the birds, observe the trees, smell the flowers, take your shoes off, walk on the grass, simple things, but it's so rejuvenating, but there's scriptures that go along with that too. Mm -hmm. And they're short, doable, five or 10 minutes, and then spend some time with the Lord praying through those things. So basic things, and then some of them go a little deeper, but that's, that's the heart of it is like, we can improve. We can't fix everything. And certainly not in 21 days, but certainly all of us can see an improvement if we would just implement some basic things.
0: What I like about your message and what you were just sharing is for one thing, if people are already overwhelmed, they're not going to want to do something that's too overwhelming because they'll just quit. You know, they'll not do it. And so 21 days and thinking of it as not like looking at 21 days on a calendar and just xing each day it's just maybe looking at it and taking one day at a time and then Mm -hmm. these exercises that you have people I mean I know that it helps me to walk outside I love being outside so these things that are suggestions of people to do is is very good for mental health so I love that and sometimes we don't talk about that enough do we Dr. Mel do you feel like people are concerned about a stigma or allowing people to know that they're struggling. What have you found about that?
1: I agree with you completely. There is a stigma. And I would say um, in particular, there's a need to educate within the church. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the American association of Christian counselors is doing a fabulous job right now of, I became board certified before they initiated a movement. Now they are initiating a movement where there's so many churches that are being raised up with teams that are at least knowing how to understand the basics of mental health and to erase that stigma because it's not something that we necessarily control. There's no reason to feel ashamed or whatever. And I would dare say, you know, throughout this, book and certainly throughout counseling and coaching and whatever i talk about how many people in the bible are you know from one one time or another in their life who hasn't gone through anxiety mm-hmm. who doesn't go through financial stress and fears about how they're going to handle something who doesn't respond poorly when there's an answer to prayer that is not what we wanted to hear
2: mm-hmm.
1: doesn't struggle with depression at times it's just not talked about, like you said, but in the average community or church or family, there are going to be multiple people that have similar situations. So, if we bring it out of the darkness and into the light and just say, it's okay, we're all trying to adapt ourselves to a new world that is not like anything we've ever seen before. And so, I um I joyfully talk within churches too and to other believers leadership about the need to break down the stigma. I do um even suicide prevention training within churches, not just in the community, but it's good to do it within the churches and let them know like, hey, if you've got um, if you've got a group of youth or a group of women, or a men's group, or your own leadership, you know, the elders, the deacons, the whoever, Mm -hmm. there's a chance that there's several people who are
0: struggling and they'll never talk about it
1: because it's not okay to talk about. Yes.
0: Well, it's very encouraging to hear that we're getting better about it and that you're having opportunities to share that because as you said earlier which kind of struck me, you know, we we went through the whole pandemic thing and everything, you know, and in what we were considering as our normal changed. And I love this one T-shirt I saw, I think it was on Facebook. It said, normal's not coming back. Jesus is coming back. (laughs) And I really love that. (laughs) But, you know, thinking about it, it's like we can go through things like that where the whole entire fabric of what we know and our routines and our regular life is changed the whole fabric changes so how important it is to have a firm foundation in something that is not just fleeting you know something that is like the rock <laughs> of jesus christ so thank you i'm I'm so glad that you are getting in and talking to the different groups and i know our church is uh, doing something really amazing, which they uh, decided that they want to implement sabbaticals for our leaders, you know, for our pastors and, you know, the pastoral staff. And, you know, there's certain criteria and everything, but I think it's so good. And it's not necessarily because there is some kind of a, a crisis, but it's a crisis prevention, you know, to be able to take that time and refresh. So what are some ways that, you know, you recommend to churches and, and different groups to implement those kind of preventative measures?
1: Well, number one, and you know, um, working at a church just like I am, mm-hmm. that the work is never done. Mm-hmm. It's never done. You can take it home with you. There's a text that comes in. You know, we I just got a text a little bit ago of someone whose daughter, you know, was in a car accident today and is in critical condition. And there's a lot of distance between them. So now you've got to, you know, it's just, it never ends. We, when we leave the office. So I say this sabbatical is good, but a day of rest, you know, I talked about that in my book. It's like, it it goes all the way up and down the scale of doesn't matter who you are and and, uh, all the more the leaders because the weight, the higher up, I'll say the higher up the food chain, mm-hmm. the higher, the more responsibility a person has, the, the more necessary it is to take those times and rest. And so by no means should we work seven days a week. There's got to be at least the Sabbath. And those of us that are involved in ministry typically don't get Sunday, but my pastor has From the time he got married and started having a family, every Tuesday is their day. And we dare not (laughs) interfere with that. We must not. And so they, that became a thing. Um, So resting and I'll say this, you know, just something simple, like encouraging each other to eat healthy and that can go simplistically, you know, why are we bringing Certain snacks to the office. Why aren't we bringing something else? Mm-hmm. Because what we put in our bodies is going to help. You know, either help fuel positive, or it's going to drag us and and cause some detrimental things. It might even be that those other foods are bringing in some anxiety and things. So there's all that, and then it's you know encouraging everyone to be in small groups, everyone to take time to have fun and have friends and relax Mm. and not feel guilty and it's hard because there's always things to do even uh, you know I talk to moms a lot because I'm a mom and a grandma Mm -hmm. and I'm always encouraging the young moms like you've got to let grandma have that child and go out on a date for goodness sakes just go on a date do something Fun. Oh, I'd feel guilty. Yeah, you might feel guilty. Go anyway.
0: Yeah, I love that. That sort of thing. That is great advice right there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We got to take a break. Yeah. We got to. And God designed us that way, Mm -hmm. right? He rested. He gave us the model. We're not, we can't go 24 seven. We've got to refuel and recharge. We've got to.
0: Yeah. I love that. Did you hear that, listeners? (laughs) You know, we have to refuel and recharge because, you know, ultimately we will be. Better for others when we do that, you know. And exactly, we're not burned out yep. or frazzled. And I love what you said. Some something you said earlier about bringing things into the light that is so biblical to bring things into the light. I I, I mentioned this before. I think on another show. I had I wrote a blog post years ago that said, um, "What if everyone found out?" And it's just about the fact that sometimes we might carry burdens and carry things because we're afraid someone will find out about it and if they find out they won't like me or what will they think of me and we do really worry sometimes more about what a person will think versus like well what does god think of this you know and if it's already been exposed and god you know god is knows all about it and all of that but we still worry about other people finding out and that is not the way to do it we do need to do things in community in the right settings with the right people that we trust. So I love it also that you brought out the fact that it is healthy to have friends, right?
1: Gotta have friends. I mean, and, and I think that we are in such a disconnected society right now. Um, The pandemic again, did not really help because everybody started isolating and then we pivoted to we'll just text, we'll FaceTime or we'll whatever. And whatever happened just going to just go into coffee with a friend mm-hmm. or something. And it's like, ah, oh, well, it's, you know, it's just easier. I'll just, I'll just FaceTime. I'll text them. Or maybe we don't because we're so busy, 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 but we have to have those connections because that's, you know, we're wired to have deep, deep connections. Yeah. And so if it doesn't have to be a lot. So, you know, sometimes people look and say, oh, I've got lots of friends. I've got like 400 on Facebook. I've got like, you know, a thousand Twitter followers. I've got and, and but those aren't friend friends. Now, some of us are friends and we maintain a level of sharing pictures or doing whatever mm-hmm. through social media, but we can't maintain a deep relationship with 400 people, <laughs> Do you know, so we have to have a couple or a half a dozen or a dozen close-knit friends that we can connect to -to face-to-face as often as possible and share that relationship. Mm. That's part of the void that's going on. And the loneliness in this society now is part of what's leading to that anxiety and the depression and all the things that are going on because we're just very detached. We've got to reconnect. Yeah.
0: Yeah such a good point and such golden nuggets there right because people do tend to isolate when maybe they're going through a struggle or you know there might be times where we're prompted to reach out to someone and maybe we just don't do it but you know oftentimes god is calling us you know to reach out to someone who needs it right when they need it and so we can be that friend and you're right it, it is so important there are a lot of connections but social media is not the primary relationship connector i mean it's not the primary way that we should have relationships and some of those might be bots anyway <laughs> not even real real people you know and so but we don't really see a lot of times like the the true things that are happening like in their lives we see the good stuff the pictures you know, and the fun things and the vacations and all of that. And so probably in your practice in ministering to people, you've seen a lot of that, right? Where social media could actually cause more anxiety than anything else.
1: Unfortunately, and you know, it, I'm pleased to say that even the CDC and others are now coming out with the secular organizations are are coming out with reports that are being you know, researched by the scientists and by, you know, the, the I'll say Yale, John Hopkins, Tufts, all of the, you know, the Mayo Clinic. Mm -hmm. And now they're recognizing and saying that there is a a serious disconnect and that that disconnect because of social media or all devices, I'm not just going to say social, Mm -hmm. but utilizing the technology, overusing it is causing a lot of the underlying, it's almost like an undercurrent, you know, under underwater current that's mm-hmm. happening where there's a generalized kind of feeling of anxiety. And it's, you know, for one thing, just a, a random thing, but mm-hmm. I talk about these kinds of things all the time. Just having screen time and not shutting that down at least an hour before somebody goes to bed actually impacts so so it's impacting sleep mm-hmm. it's disrupting sleep and if you are doing all the right things but your sleep is disrupted you're gonna be you know you're gonna have brain fog you're gonna have all this stuff going on you you can eat all the right things and do all the right things but if you don't if you don't get sleep you can't refuel you can't recharge your brain And it's leading to all these other things. So they're saying, put your screens down, limit your screen time, whether it's a TV or an iPad or a phone, or it doesn't matter. Put it down, go do real things outside, go read a real book. Like we like that, right? We like books. Um, And, you know, read a book, touch the paper, get something besides screens into your system. Mm. Yeah.
0: Such great reminders right there. And we can even feel it if we've been on too long. You know, you start feeling a heaviness and, and you start feeling like an exhaustion kind of a thing, you know, because it's just so much at you at once. And so, and, and when you think about it, it's like we think of the fruit of the spirit and there's the self-control. You know, it takes it takes a intentionality to break from that because it can really become an addiction, right? It
1: can. And so, you know, I, if I could be so bold as to mention, um, John Eldridge wrote a book called get your life back. Mm-hmm. And I just taught that as a women's Bible study this spring, he had us, um, you know, it's a video based series and he had us go through and the first night he had me put every, everybody had to put their phones on airplane mode. Mm-hmm. You should have seen the faces in the room. <laughs> they were like, Oh, And I was like, it's okay. The phone is right there. Well, the next week it was like, put your phone on airplane mode, give it to your leader. And she's going to put it in a basket and set it on the other side of the room. And there was an intense discomfort. Mm. Week three Mm. was okay. We're going to do all of that. And now we're going outside just for five minutes to look at the flowers. And then we're coming back in. And they were like, I'm going to take my phone. Do you know, by the end of it, they were leaving their phones in the car. They weren't even bringing them to the Bible study. (laughs) And I was like, that's a victory right there because we realized how attached we are to even just the comfort of having it in our pocket or something, or you hear a notification go off and you glance at it and it totally disrupts the calmness and the peacefulness. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, just trying to put it on the other side of the room for a while or something, anything.
0: Wow, that is really great. So that was called Get Your Life Back. Wow.
1: Indeed. <laughs> we all need. To it go was a that. fabulous Bible study. <laughs>
0: That's great. That's great to know. And yeah, thinking about it, it's almost like going through a rehab, you know, kind of trying to break away <laughs> from that, you know, and then just like, but like you were saying earlier, implementing good habits and changing those habits and feeling like, you know, I mean, when you think about it, it's like, what did we do years ago? We didn't have cell phones that we carried around with us. You know, we were like actually connecting with people. And if, if something happened, we could pull over and use payphone or whatever, but I'm aging myself now. But, uh, but yeah, we, we really feel like it's gotta be like an appendage sometimes and that's not really healthy. And then the bigger and better ones keep coming out, you know, with all the new features and, and all of that. So, I mean, you know.
1: Well, and another thing that I've done, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I deleted quite a few apps off my phone. I just like the ones that I realized are really causing me to get sucked in. Mm -hmm. I deleted them. And I was like, I feel so much more freedom now myself, just not having that. And, you know, the other piece that we haven't really talked about, but it's necessary is how can we commune with God and how can we connect with him and hear his voice? You know, we talk about, well, how do we know the will of God for our lives? How do we know what our calling is? How do we know what we should be doing? What's our purpose? Well, we're in such a distracted world. How can we ever hear him anyway? Mm. So just that alone would be enough to, to warrant disconnecting for even an hour a day. Mm -hmm just not saying, don't answer your phone. We obviously just like if we back in the day had landlines or whatever, um, you know, there's necessity to, to stay in touch with family or emergencies or whatever, but just to disconnect enough to say, like, I need to hear your voice, Lord. I need to know what you're telling me. I need to know what the next step is. I need to know my direction. So that's a whole piece of that too, is like that. And that, that is the foundational piece. Like we can do all the right things, but what if we're not communing with God? What if we're not even connected to him because we're so busy and disconnected and preoccupied with everything else going on? 99% of which really has nothing to do with our lives anyway.
0: Yes. Wow. That is so good. And when you think about it, cause it really can become an idol, you know, in our life and cause we're putting it before God. I mean, it's not like we have to have a golden calf in our backyard or something that we're bowing down to it's you know that something that's taking the place of God but I love how you pointed that out and what what would change how would our world change if we were that drawn to that connection with God every day all day you know that kind of a connection with him versus this thing that we have that we look at so I love that you're giving these ideas and giving people permission to put their phone away. I like when families will do that. I know a lot of families that, you know, especially at the dinner table, put your phone down, you know, and so you can have an actual conversation, but it's even hard to find families that have those kind of schedules that they actually sit down together for a meal. I mean, I hope that's kind of coming back a little bit, but it kind of went by the wayside for a while.
1: It did. And you know, that's another whole piece. I mean, having raised my kids and now the grandkids, I, I remember writing about this in my first book and I adhere to it now, Mm -hmm. 15 years later, I'm still like, I'm sorry. I feel like it's a mantra, but again, look at the cultures where that connection happens over the meal.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That's so my husband's Portuguese and, and that's a connection point the Spanish population will be Hispanic. So do the same thing. Like that's your food. I have a son-in-law that's African food is everything. You, you talk over the food. Yeah. And so in today's fast paced society, you know, so many to the moms that are out there, including all my own children, you know, they've, they've got their kids and stuff too. All my grandkids they use soccer, this and this, and you know, all these different activities. But I'm like, if there's any way, I don't care you know, if it's just 15 or 20 minutes over spaghetti. Mm -hmm. But to be able to connect and kind of talk around the table and say, how was your day? Mm. Those things are so vital. And, you know, even the Department of Ed is now recognizing um, that a lot of the issues that are going on with school children in the classroom, I have a ton of friends that are teachers and, um, and they're seeing that there's a disconnect with their own family. And average, do you know, average is less than five minutes a day. Mm. So if somebody can carve out five or 10 minutes with their child over a meal, they've beat most of the statistics.
0: Oh, wow. That's kind of sad when you think about it. And uh, yeah, that's so important to do that over a meal too. Cause when you think about it, it's like, you know, you're, you're feeding a physical need, You know, nutrients and all of that, and then you're kind of feeling feeding into like spiritual, mental health, and those kind of needs too, where you could have more of a captive audience. I always like driving the kids places when they couldn't drive yet because they're like in the car and they can't go anywhere. And
1: absolutely, (laughs) turn the music down
0: and use it as as
1: um, you know. Conversation time. Yeah. Because, you know, so the anything that we're talking about with adults is magnified with children and youth today, Mm. because everything we just said about disconnection is magnified with kids, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. And so when you look at how disconnected they are from their own families, a lot of homes, if there's a two parent home they have uh, both parents working out of necessity in today's economy. Mm -hmm. That didn't used to be the case. Now it is. And so all the more we have to struggle to prioritize connecting with them on a deep level, not just, hey, how was your day? And then they throw their backpack and go off and Mm -hmm. do whatever they're doing, but to really listen and be available because they're going to say things about their day that if we have ears to hear we're going to be like oh they're not doing very well are they
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and and there might be things that have happened that they need to talk about and and if you know we're adults and we're struggling with synthesizing all of the information and handling it then how much more the kids Mm -hmm. because they're witnessing and hearing all of the things all of the trauma, all the crisis that's being, you know, coming at them in their classrooms, in their schools. We won't even, you know, talk about how bad that is. Mm-hmm. And 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 then they overhear the news and all of those things. They're now they're on social media. They're seeing a lot of news headlines, and it's one thing after the next. And and I'll say this: I I won't say who. I'll say I had a conversation with a person who is. 14 years old. And I said, you know, Hey, what are you thinking about for college? Mm-hmm. And she said, Oh, I'm not even thinking about college because the world will end before I even get to be 20 years old. And I said, what, wow. Why would you think that? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so she ended up just shortly after that conversation, because, you know, th- that was a short conversation and, and it just broke my heart. And it wasn't too many weeks later when she was in a mental health mm. um, institution mm-hmm. to try to get the help and get her thinking back around. And do you know that when it all was said and done, it came back down to her phone. Wow. It came down to her phone mm-hmm. and all that she was absorbing through there. So mm-hmm. the therapist was like, you know, you need to get off that thing. Because she became so despondent that she felt no need. There was no hope at all. 14 yeah. years old.
0: Yeah. Wow. I mean, it is so true. There there are so many walking around with no hope. And it's just an opportunity to be able to share the hope that we have. You know how the word says, you know, be ready to share the hope that we have. And so this has been such a great episode and just very eye-opening. And thank you for all you're doing to help because helping even just one person, it makes a big impact and then they can make an impact on the people in their circles, you know. And so it can be a real domino effect in a positive way. And when people say, hey, you know what really helped me? I did this or I didn't do that or whatever. And it it really can, can cause a chain reaction of good stuff, you know, and spreading the gospel too. And so uh, I would love if you would share, how can the listener connect with you and find your books and more about, you know, the things that you do?
1: I I tell everybody the easy um, access is just go to the website. So it's drmeltavaris.com. and I've got the blogs and the books and the resources. I'm in the middle of building a resource library that I'm going to make available because my heart is, you know, that we need, there's a lot of resources that each of us are creating that can help others. So it's another landing page for resources and um, suicide prevention. I've got a page on there. So there's just a lot. So go to the website. It also is where they can find the coaching if they're interested on the mental health coaching and things. And it um, emails and You know, I'm always available by email. I'm not always available by phone, Mm -hmm. but I am available by email and I will um, respond to those and just uh, talk people through whatever it is they're going through.
0: Well, thank you. That's fantastic. And I will have the link in the show notes to your website so they can check it out and reach out and uh, yeah, we really appreciate your time today and sharing the wisdom that God has given you and the nuggets of truth that have come through on this episode. And I hope it really has blessed someone and encouraged them that they can make positive changes. And those positive changes not only help their own needs and spiritual, physical, mental health, but also those in their families and and the people around them. So, so thank you so much, Dr. Mel, for being on the show. And I hope to have you back again sometime. Thank you
1: for having me. And I, I likewise pray that the listeners have um, walked away with one or two nuggets that they can implement.
0: Great. See, there's a good point right there. Don't get overwhelmed, but pick out a couple of things that you can implement and start small. And we have to start small first take one step at a time so so thank you so much and i will talk to you soon friend thank you thank you so much for listening today and i hope that this really encouraged you and that there was something in this episode that resonated with you something that touched your heart deeply today because i really don't believe that anyone listens to any of these episodes by accident and so today there was something special that god wanted you to hear and i truly believe that and i am thankful because i need to hear these things as well and i am so blessed by the guests that i have on the show as they bring their perspective you know how we are all in this kingdom work together and we want to all encourage one another and build each other up as it says in 1st Thessalonians 5:11 and friend I would love to come and speak at your next women's event. I am booking for 2024 and I want to help your ladies learn that they have a fierce calling and also to help them find joy in their calling and to surrender those joy stealers. My Bible study, Surrender the Joy Stealers, Rediscover the Jesus Joy in You, is available. And I would love if you would check that out. You can go to my website at DaraSwift.com And I also have Dr. Mel's links for her website and what she mentioned in the show in the show notes as well. So, friend, I hope you join me next time when I invite another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.